Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Have you ever read and studied the book of Jonah? Most of us have heard the famous story of Jonah since we were young children. And, for the most part, all we remember is that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish and spent three days and three nights in the fish's belly. Let's open our Bible to Jonah chapter 1 and see what the Lord has for us in this incredible Bible book of Jonah. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. Today is Friday here in Texas and uh, Friday morning. Hopefully everyone is is doing well and just uh, spending time with Jesus. There is uh, there is literally nothing more profitable in our lives. There's nothing that will bring more blessing in our lives, more peace, um, more favor, um, more insight, more understanding. You can go on and on than spending time with Jesus, spending time in the Bible. That's the first and primary way we spend time with Jesus is in the scriptures. And of course, we pray and we praise him and we worship him. Um, we spend time thanking him and thanksgiving. We spend time above all obeying him and repenting when we fall short. So uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. So we're at a good breaking point. I think we've done around 12 messages or so in 1 Peter. And when we finished the last message, that was a, a good breaking point to, uh, um, to take a pause in Peter. And I'm sure we'll get back to it at some point. Um, but today we're going to begin in the book of Jonah um, in Kingdom Discipleship in our Bible studies or in our last Bible study. Uh, Jesse and Stephen did a good job in uh, and leading us in, in, in the teaching about Jonah and Bible study. And, uh, and, yet, and last night at our Bible study that, uh, that we have at our home, um, we discussed Jonah. And it was a, uh, just a really powerful and insightful time, incredible time of worship. So, so we're going to start in Jonah chapter 1 today. I don't know how many verses we'll get through. We may get through um, verse 5 or 6. So we'll see how far we get. So um, we're going to go ahead and pray. We're going to invite Jesus into our time, and then we will get rolling. Father, we do thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the word of God. Father, above all, we thank you for the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, our Master, our King, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We ask you to lead us now as we open your word in Jonah. In Jesus' name, we ask for eyes that see and ears that hear. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, Jonah chapter 1. Um, we're going to read through verse 6. Verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. 
But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This book of Jonah is a, um, for some in Christianity, and certainly outside of Christianity, it's a controversial book. Um, regrettably, many people view it as metaphorical, as if it obviously didn't really happen, as if the book is not a just an actual historical account. They view it as it's some kind of big spiritual metaphor for other things. This is absolutely not the case in any manner or in any way, okay? The book of Jonah um, is to be taken just as you read it. What it says happened, happened. What Jonah said, Jonah said. What the other people said is what they said in the book. When you hear what the captain said in verse 6, these are all actual, factual, historical happenings. Yes, Jonah really was swallowed by a whale. Okay. We did some research. Apparently, a whale can hold two, a whale's, a blue whale's stomach can apparently hold 2,000 pounds of food. So it's mo no, no problem to hold uh, an average man in a whale's belly. It could hold 10 of them. So, um, in the New Testament, if you go to, to Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Jonah's paid the highest compliment and the clearest compliment that any human can be paid. Okay? He is mentioned by Jesus in the New Testament book of Matthew chapter 16. If you read verses 1 through 4, um, Jesus says in verse 4 that, that it's only the sign of Jonah that's going to be revealed. And he says, as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a large fish, so the Son of Man, Jesus, will spend three days and three nights in the earth. And so Jonah, in his time in the fish, is a picture or a symbol, right? He's a type of where he's pointing to Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus himself mentions Jonah as a historical fact. When Jesus speaks of Jonah, just like he does the entire word of God, he doesn't speak of him as a metaphor. Okay, uh, Jesus actually says, as Jonah did spend three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man, and he's speaking about himself, spend three days and three nights in the earth. And of course, he's speaking about at his crucifixion, where, you know, Jesus was crucified and then raised on the third day. So um, the first question we always ask ourselves when we come to the scripture, we say is, why is this in the Bible, right? And of course, we always say Romans 15, 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, to instruct us, not simply to be a, a nice story or a cool story to entertain us. It's important we understand that. So again, we say when we read the Word of God, when we study the Word of God, we want to we want to meditate on it. We want to think on it slowly. We want to break it apart. We want to consider it, right, Uncle Dennis? 
we really want to just uh, to take time to think about it. In the Bible study yesterday, there were, uh, I don't know, there's somewhere around 50 people. And several of them had said they had never, you know, they had read the book of Jonah, but they had never taken time to really break it down and see, you know, how it applies to us. You want to remember that, again, when we read the word of God, although this is a historical account of the life of Jonah, the principles that we see in Jonah and how the Lord acted in Jonah will be the same today, okay? Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, I, the Lord, do not change, God says. So in principle, how the Lord behaves here is how he'll behave in our lives. Does that make sense? When I say behave is, you know, how you see the Lord act in regard to Jonah in principle, not in the exact same ways. We all have our own circumstances, okay? But in principle, how the Lord moves in the scriptures is, again, how we can expect him to move in our lives. Now, there are, you know, there are modifications between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. This side of the cross where we live in Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ covers us, and that's why we don't see 100,000 people being struck down by the Lord. Okay, so there is a difference between the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, the New Covenant and the New Testament. But again, the principles we see in any of the 66 books of the Bible, we can expect will be the same in our lives. Okay, now again, if it's different, if you're in Jesus Christ or you're not in Jesus Christ. And so there are, you know, certain consequences um, at various different levels. And again, the biggest is, is, is whether you're in Christ today. Uh, a Christian, as I've said many times, is someone who is actively, currently trusting and relying completely and totally on Jesus Christ right now for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Okay. Um, Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the words that save you. It's Christ that saves you. But when you get to a place that you understand the clear teaching of the Bible that all human beings are sinful, desperate, hopeless, can do nothing at all, headed for hell, and you run to the foot of the cross where the Bible says if you'll put your full faith and trust and confidence in Jesus, you will be saved. And out of that heart, out of that understanding, out of that knowledge that, that, that you and I are sinful people and we need a Savior, we run to Jesus and we call on him and we say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, to bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's a sinner's prayer. But what's important is it's not just puppeting the words. Again, the words don't save you. It's a heart and a desire and a knowledge and a knowing of your need in Jesus and you running to him. Right, Kristen? Uh, my daughter, Kristen, has an amazing testimony how, you know, how she spent um, all the way up till she was, what was it, sweetie? Up until you were 22 years old, right? 
She had prayed to receive Christ many times. She had said those words many times. But three years ago, um, you know, she had graduated college and, you know, she was just in a humdrum place and uh, she had completed her college degree and, you know, she just had no no zest for life. You just, she was just down, had some depression and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and her and I spoke and, and she called on Jesus again, but this time was different than any other time as she tells her testimony. This time when Kristen called on Jesus, she asked Jesus to come into her heart, knowing her need of him, desiring him fully as her savior, knowing that she was sinful and really and truly and genuinely crying out to Jesus and asking him to come into her heart to be the Lord of her life and to save her from her sin. And as she tells her testimony, she was crying out to Jesus, not only for, for the next life. Kristen wasn't only asking Jesus to come into her heart and save her from her sin so that she could go to heaven. She wanted Jesus desperately for this life as well. So there was a genuine passionate desire and knowledge of her need of Christ. And out of that, she prayed and called on Jesus. And now for the last three years, she has lived a life of just, uh, it's beautiful, just a life of, um, of growing desire and maturity and dedication to Jesus Christ. And she is saved. The life of Christ is clearly in her. And so, um, you know, some people have called and prayed to receive Jesus, but in their testimony, they were just, you know, they weren't sincere in it. They were, they were going along with it because some pastor said to do it. And so a Christian, again, you're a Christian today. If you're actively, currently relying on Jesus Christ, only totally and completely, you're trusting him for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. That's a Christian. And in that place, God the Father is your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. And the Holy Spirit is your guide, your, your comforter, and your counselor. The incredible blessing of becoming a Christian is that you come into relationship with the Holy Trinity. Right, Ireland? You actually have relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father. He's your Father. He's your Daddy. It's amazing. Jesus is your is your is your savior and your lord your master your king your friend your husband you become part of the bride of Christ with with all other Christians and as i said the holy spirit becomes your guide your comforter your counselor you actually have relationship with the triune god god the father god the son and god the holy spirit so thank you jesus all right we're going to get rolling and Joan i don't know how far we'll get today but um verse 1 the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. The word of the Lord came to May. The word of the Lord came to Rap. The word of the Lord came to Becky. The word of the Lord came to Scott. The Bible is the living word of God. When it says here, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, we have the living word of God available to us. And as I said at the beginning of this teaching, that's our Bible. 
Your Bible has 66 books. Right, Adelaide? 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Together, they make up the Bible. Those 66 books are actually the Word of God, the Word of the triune God. Okay, so when you read the scripture, the Word of the Lord is coming to you. Now, we live in a, in a culture, in a church culture in 2021, where where oftentimes we want words from God. And certainly, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they do speak to us. They do speak to our spirit, okay? Um, but the primary way, by and far, that the triune God speaks to us is through the Bible, through the scriptures. That's the primary way that we hear from God. As a matter of fact, it says that the word of God is food for our soul. If you remember in Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said that the human beings don't live on, on bread alone, on physical food alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, the scriptures. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So if you want the word of the Lord to come to you, just where it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, put your name in there. And the more time you spend in your Bible, the more time you spend in the scriptures, the more that the word of the Lord will come to you. As candid as I can be, if you're out there today and you're consistently wanting to hear from the Lord and get a word from the Lord or get a prophetic word from the Lord, and you're not spending time in the scriptures, you ought not expect to get any of that from the Lord. Okay? If you will give yourself to the living word of God, you'll spend time in your Bible more and more and more and more. Not because you have to, but because you get to, okay? You'll be feeding yourself in the living word of God. The word of the Lord will be coming to you every day. Every time you're in this Bible, the word of the Lord is coming to you. The more you do that, the more you can expect to hear from the Lord in every manner and in every way. If you're a Christian today and you're not spending time in your Bible, don't expect the Lord to speak to you in any other way, in any type of prophetic way, okay? Certainly he can, but that's not his character, okay? If you will give yourself and be intentional to spending time with him in the living word of God, then you can expect to know him, to know his word, to grow in relationship with him, and to hear him clearly when he speaks to you through the word of God, and if he speaks directly to your spirit, thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. We want to be the type of people that are consistently receiving and feeding in the living word of God. That the living word of God would come to John, would come to Corinne, would come to David, would come to Leah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 2, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. It's interesting, and, in, you know, for many of our, our listeners or viewers, um, it, it, depending on the type of church you're in, um, you know, in, in, in some churches, in spirit-filled churches, which are wonderful things, we, can, we often get prophetic words, okay? And prophetic words are a great thing. Okay, 
It's great to hear from the Lord, but the vast majority of us who are in a a spirit-filled atmosphere, and when I say spirit-filled, what I'm saying is that uh, churches who who are active in, 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 in working to receive and hear and walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and we won't get into it now, but again, we have a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're all omniscient. They're all omnipotent, all powerful. They're all omnipresent. They're everywhere. And they are three distinct separate beings. They're all God. They all have the nature of God in only the Holy Trinity has the nature of God. But God the Holy Spirit is, is the hardest to understand in the scriptures. Um, but if we'll apply ourselves to it, we can see how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of believers. Okay, If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you and is guiding you. And so as Spirit-filled believers, okay, um, Uh, It's a believer who is wanting to obviously grow in relationship with God the Father, grow in relationship with Jesus, but also wants to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and understand the person of the Holy Spirit um, and be consistently filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. Now, all believers want to do this, okay? Um, But many spirit-filled churches also move in the gifts of what's called the prophetic. And in these places, um, prophetic teachers will generally give words to the body of Christ or to individuals. And the vast majority of the time, for those of us who've been exposed to this, the words that we get are often passive words, and they're also incredibly loving words. They're words that the Lord is going to give us tremendous blessings. You know, we'll get words that say, you know, the Lord has put you on the heart, on my heart. The Lord has has shown me that 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 you're going to come into an incredible season of blessing. A time of favor is coming into your life. And so on and so forth. And this is the nature of the vast majority of the kind of words that we receive, okay? Um and these are great, by the way, okay? I love words where I am encouraged in the love of God, in the mercy of my heavenly Father, in his goodness, in his plan for me, right? Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. Um, I like, those words are wonderful and we should enjoy them, okay? When I say passive words, what I mean is we get words are told words from God where we don't have to do anything, okay? They're passive words of encouragement, of the love of our Father that don't require anything of us. So, again, uh, I will reiterate that these are good things. This is wonderful, okay? To be encouraged and to get a word that your Heavenly Father loves you and He wants to bless you and at times of blessing are coming to your life, these things are great, okay? The reason I bring that up is the the majority of the words, when you read in the scriptures, when the Lord sends men and, and women of God to speak the word of God, the vast majority of them are not passive words, okay? 
the vast majority of the words require something of the person getting the word. And that's certainly the case here in verse 2. Okay, so that's the first point I want to make about a word from God. Okay, when you read the scripture, the the most important passive word in the scripture, okay, is that you don't do anything to be saved from your sin and to go to heaven when you die and to come in relationship, come into relationship with the, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's nothing we can do but believe in Jesus Christ and put our full trust and reliance and confidence in him to save us from our sin. And from that place of desperation, knowing our need of him, all we do is we call out to Jesus, as, as we talked about earlier, and we ask him to come into our heart and be the Lord of our life. And we affirm our trust and reliance on him alone to save us. Now, once, once we receive Jesus Christ as our savior, okay, the vast majority of the word of God in the scriptures and otherwise are not going to be passive words. They're going to be words of exhortation, words where we need to, to do something. Okay. They're going to be active or, or action words from the Lord. Okay. So when you look at verse two, it's not a passive word from God. Again, God is speaking to Jonah and look at verse two, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. You see how that's not a passive word. Jonah is commanded by the word of God to go and do something. Okay? And look what he's told to do. Go to the great city of Nineveh, number one. Number two, and preach against it. Why? because its wickedness has come up before me. You heard me say that the vast majority of the words we receive are loving words and kind words and words of encouragement. And I'll say again, all of that is wonderful, okay? But it is imbalanced. The vast majority of the words of God in the scripture are not, okay? Um, we need to have a balance in the body of Christ today where we give Certainly encouraging words, uplifting words, but we also need words of correction. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells Timothy, as a minister, to preach the word of God. Right, Nathan? Be ready in season and out of season. My, uh, my soon-to-be son-in-law, Nathan, said, yeah, it seems to me that, that whether you're going to preach on Sunday um, and you prepare for that all week, or whether you're just talking to one person on a phone call, or if you meet him at the grocery store or in Starbucks, or you're talking to your children, just wherever you are, you ought to be ready to teach the word of God as well, to preach the word of God as well, to bring exhortation from the word of God as well. So it's our job, certainly as ministers, but as all Christians, to always bring the word of God. And Paul says to Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. Okay, what I'm doing now is in season. I've prepared for this. I studied for this. We're recording. This is in season. But even when I'm not doing this, wherever I am with anybody, I ought to be talking about the word of God as well. Okay, uh, when I feel like it and when I don't, in season and out of season. But then Paul says this, preach the word of God. 
be prepared in season and out of season. And then he says this, correct, rebuke, and encourage. So the word of the Lord, okay? So if you just, if you focus on that verse and you'll see it across the bottom of the screen, correct, rebuke, and encourage. So Paul tells Timothy, when you're, when you're teaching and preaching the word of God, okay, correct, rebuke, and encourage. So look at the three things he lays out to do. I would have thought, based on the majority of all the preaching I hear, that Paul would have told Timothy, preach the word of God, be prepared in season and out of season, encourage, encourage, encourage. Because generally, that's all we hear, okay? We hear about the love of God and the goodness of God. And I'll say again, that's wonderful. We need to. I love it. But that's not what Paul lays out here. He didn't say encourage, encourage, encourage. You notice encourage was at the end. He said correct, rebuke, and encourage. Now, that's not pleasant. I don't even like it. You notice two of the three exhortations. Two of the three commands, two of the three actions that the Bible exhorts us to do are corrective words. And then the third one, encourage, you know, is a, is a loving, fulfilling, passive word, right? When you tell someone the Lord loves you, there's nothing you do to get the love of God. He loves you unconditionally. When you encourage someone in the goodness of God, there's nothing for them to do. And again, that's important. It does say correct, rebuke, and encourage. It's interesting that encourage is at the end, right? We always ought to leave people encouraged, right? You don't just leave them corrected and rebuked. And I've made these mistakes many times in in my years of ministry, and, and I'm sorry, Lord Jesus. But... Words from the Lord are there to correct us, sometimes even to rebuke us, right? Because we need just to really be woken up, right? Jonah is commanded here to go to the city of Nineveh and to preach against it. And as we said in Bible study yesterday, because its wickedness has come up before me, verse 2, we talked about how the greatest love that we can often give our brothers and sisters in Christ is to bring a corrective word to them, okay? Of course, we want to encourage people and love people and build them up in Christ and tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. But really, Equally as great as that is once they do know Christ as their Savior. If they don't know Christ as their Savior, that's what they need. Okay? They need Jesus Christ to save them from their sin. They need the gospel of Christ. Once they're at the place where they receive Jesus Christ into their heart and they're truly saved, they're truly born again, they're spiritually alive, the Holy Spirit's living inside them. Okay? then one of the most loving things we can do is when out of love, in relationship, we exhort them and correct them in the areas of their lives that are out of place. Now, it's important that we do this in our own lives first. We can't be hypocrites, okay? We can't 
exhort and correct others, and we're not doing that ourselves. The reason we're in the Word of God so much is that the Word of God is a mirror, James says in James chapter 1. And when you read the Scriptures and you see there in the Scriptures a reflection it's a mirror. So the, the Bible reflects back to you when you read it and you're like, man, I, I, that's, that's not how I'm living my life. Or man, I'm doing that same thing wrong. And then you make the corrections, right? So we have to do it in our own lives first. But as we consistently are practicing introspection, we then exhort others and encourage others and correct others and even rebuke others. And of course, you do it in love, right? You don't need to be harsh and overbearing. But you lovingly bring correction. The word of the Lord to Jonah is to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And our disobedience does come up before our heavenly father today. It does. And so whatever areas of our life where we're not obeying the word of God, and, and there, 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 are, there can be many areas in our life where we're not obeying the word of God, where we're just being disobedient to what we know to be the scriptures, right? It can be any different aspects or lifestyle of sin, okay? Perhaps it's in your language, right? Perhaps we, we said yesterday that you've gotten loose in your language and you need to correct it, or perhaps we're, we're watching whether it's TV or, or stuff on the internet or on our phones or on our whatever, our Instagram, Snapchat. Perhaps we're, we're watching things that we know are not appropriate biblically, right? Um, we need to correct that, again, in our own lives first. And then if, if we won't correct it in our own lives, we need other believers in the body of Christ to help us. And other believers in the body of Christ need you to help them as well. And that is, in that, in the correction, if we will correct ourselves, in that repentance and in our exhortation to help others repent, it's one of the most loving things we can ever do because in that repentance, there's healing in our relationship with the Holy Trinity. There's nothing we do to get relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, except receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. When you receive Jesus into your heart, genuinely trusting and relying on him for the salvation of your soul and the forgiveness of your sins, you come into relationship with God the Father as your Heavenly Father. And as we talked about, Jesus as your Lord, the Holy Spirit as your guide and comforter and, and counselor. But having relationship with the triune God and experiencing relationship are different things, right? You can have relationship with your wife or your parents or your children, but how you experience that relationship, how you experience love in that relationship, how you experience life in that relationship, that's a totally different thing. And when we're living in disobedience to the word of God, it doesn't take away our relationship. We're still a child of God. We're still in community and relationship with the Holy Trinity, but how we experience that relationship is hindered by any sinful lifestyle that we maintain. And so when we correct that or when we encourage others to correct that, we're giving them the opportunity to experience deeper and more intimate and more profound relationship with Jesus. And um, I'll say again, is there's, there's almost nothing more loving than that, right? 
but it's hard for most of us. Who, who would want to do this, right? Which one of us would want to walk into a town? It's going to say later in the book that there's 120,000 people in Nineveh. Okay, which one of us would want to walk into a town of 120,000 people and preach against it? It's a very uncomfortable thing. Now, Jonah's not uncomfortable, as we'll see here um, in later teachings. Jonah's not scared at all. Jonah knows the love of God and the mercy of God and, and, and just how merciful the Lord is. Um, and that's why we're going to find out that he actually runs away because these people were so wicked that he believed they needed to be judged, right? But, um, but our God is a loving God. And no matter what anyone has done, anything they've done wrong, anything you've done wrong, anything I've done wrong, we can come today to him and we can repent. If you're not a Christian, you come and receive Jesus as your savior in the ways we've already talked about. And if you are a Christian, you simply go to him and repent and say, Father, I'm sorry. I do ask you to forgive me and I ask you to help me to live a, a Christ-like life and to, Holy Spirit, I ask you to, to convict me and lead me and guide me to not behave in this way anymore. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay, we're going to end there today. But what are the areas of our lives that were we today need to make corrections? What are the areas, perhaps that one of the areas is you're just not pursuing Jesus. You're not trying to grow in your devotion to Jesus. You're not spending time with him in the word of God every day or in, in prayer or in praise or in fellowship. Perhaps you're not in community with other Christian believers, which is so vital, okay? If you're not today, then just, just repent, okay? In the ways that we already talked about, just go to your heavenly father, or you can go and pray to Jesus or go and pray to the Holy Spirit and, and just ask them to help you, ask them to forgive you and help you to whatever you need help with. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Father, we do love you. We bless you and we thank you today. We thank you for this, uh, the incredible book of Jonah, Father. We thank you that we have the book of Jonah. We thank you just for your blessings, Father, and all the, the incredible insights we have from this book, Lord. Father, we do ask you to help us that we would increasingly spend time in the word of God, that the word of the Lord can come to us more and more and more and more as we spend time in the scriptures, in the living word of God. And Father, we do ask you to help us to, uh, to first repent of any areas in our own lives that are out of place where we're not living Christ-like biblical lives, whether it's in things that we are doing that we shouldn't be doing, or whether it's in things that we're not doing that we should be doing. Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead us and guide us today to, to repent in our own hearts, Lord, to sincerely repent of any ways that, that our life is out of place. And then I ask you to help us to lead others in that, to lovingly be willing to correct and rebuke and of course, encourage others always based on the word of God and the son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we do love you. We bless you and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us now as we go forth. Seal the word to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.